Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who has a mask so realistic that it could even fool the secretary of his boss. <laughs> Wasn't this his own secretary? I uh, don't know. I didn't understand the fucking relationship. I understood exactly one single relationship in this movie. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry to report that that I I am almost certain it was his own secretary because he, Are we sure? he went he went to get a meeting with himself uh in order but who to, was he uh, meeting with in the office then the other office oh maybe that i have no idea now because there was a person in that office That's which true. is definitely his boss there the might guy... be more than one secretary i'm not gonna lie um this movie is what's the word i'm looking for about Duh? 45 minutes longer than it should be Yes, and uh, operates on the singular premise that uh, I guess I guess he went full like Batman. And, I'm Batman, and then uh, nobody can tell who you are anymore. I don't know. It's all right, all right. To clear up the specific conversation we're having, the scene in question that I'm thinking about, at least, is when he goes to the secretary and he's trying to get a meeting with someone who I believe to have been him. Uh, one by the names he was using, but also one of the tacks he tries is to claim to be the man's little brother. Right, and I think that's him trying to get in a meeting with himself. But then, yes. there's earlier he also tests it he does, with the secretary of his boss. Uh, so I think I think you and I are crossing our we're wires. We're just thinking of different scenes. Yes, yeah. I am the Adam Glass, and I face off to myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. He's, he's walking like I, I. Yeah, right. So which wait. But see, what I want to know actually is what happens to the guy he stole his face from. What's his life like now? I mean, eventually that man goes to prison for murder. Right, right, right. Uh, except for like, let's be honest here. Like th- this charade, right? Like he's got this mask, right? And he goes around and murders people with this mask. He immediately gets caught. The first time he tries to assault somebody. Yes. Uh, and it's like, I'm no one. Eventually, they're going to touch your fucking face. <laughs> like, that's going to happen. That's a thing that will happen. Eventually, the fucking police are going to touch your face. They're like, huh, this is weird. Or, like, it's going to, like, I mean, okay, like, the premise of this movie is really stupid, right? At least in Face Off, it's surgery. <laughs> I suppose that's fair. This is uh, an absurdly realistic mask, and therefore pretty like easy to ultimately. Im- yeah, it's Mission Impossible shit, right? Which yeah. only time, only thing I could think about the entire time we were watching it was that episode of MythBusters where they try to do this, and the results are laughable. That's fair. Hey, listen, Pat. All this and more after the break. Oh, sorry. Before we get into the film more than we already have, I do want to talk this week about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. If you want to support us financially, keep us going. Just a dollar a month over there. 
uh, really helps out and gets you an access to a non-criterion bonus episode. Yeah, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, we watch a, a pretty eclectic mix of stuff over there. Uh, from uh, I put together a list, uh, and sometimes the list is drawn from the uh, <laughs> conservapedia list of worst liberal children's films, and sometimes the list is uh, non-criterion films by Louis <laughs> Malle, his director, <laughs> his uh, documentary work. Um, and uh, sometimes it seems deliberately aimed to punish me. <laughs> sometimes it is deliberately aimed to punish <laughs> Pat, and sometimes it's deliberately aimed to reward everyone. For instance, the uh, the February list this year is uh, just uh, the non-parasite works of Bong Joon Ho. Uh, so uh, so that's a fun one. Uh, but we've also watched uh, Monster Squad. And, yeah, and Kicking and Screaming by Will Ferrell. Which makes yeah. me wonder, did I tell you that I watched another Will Ferrell movie when I was on my business trip recently? Yeah, was it good? Uh, no, it was terrible. Oh, uh, was sorry. that one where he's again up against Mark Wahlberg and they're oh. both trying to have sex with his wife? It's yeah, very it's, weird. Is it stepdads or something? Yeah, like that, something or? like yeah. that. I didn't really pay very good. I was in my hotel room. I like, mean, I, th- I, I feel like maybe it. the weak point of that movie is not Will Ferrell. But. No, it's not. Uh, but like... Will Ferrell's doing a lot of work in that movie to carry a yeah. very non-interesting premise with some pretty bad acting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like he really decided to sort of sherpa that movie around, and that's yeah. and, and it shows. It's hard. He's doing a lot of work. Indeed, indeed. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that dollar a month gets you access to the vote, gets you access to the episode, gets you access to the entire back catalog of uh, of uh, episodes over there too. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of good stuff to listen to if you're into hearing us talk, and we know you are because you're here, right? Because <laughs> otherwise, what the fuck are you doing right now? <laughs> right. What's wrong with you? I like there's there's somebody who I think we definitely have at least a few hate listeners, right? Oh, almost certainly people almost who certainly. like do this. I don't know to stay awake at work or something. <laughs> like, well, these people just make me so fucking angry. I don't fall asleep when I'm at work now. That's fair. Um. <laughs> That's the dollar a month. For a little extra $5 a month, we'd like to thank those people on air, and thank you to Christopher Otto and Adam Speakerman yes, thank for you your very $5 much. and above support. And uh, a little of that, we do something that I think is pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard and then write a little thank you note with it and send that off. Uh, we also thank those guys on air, so thank you to Jason Westhaver and to Michael McGrath yeah, thank for you your so $10 much. and above supports. Uh, if you uh, want to support us and don't have any money uh, or just choose not to give it to us, which is a, a perfectly we fine understand. choice. We understand. I mean, I yeah. get it. I, I try not to give us money. so uh, <laughs> We unfortunately give each other, give ourselves a lot of money every year pretty much. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we trade. We just <laughs> Pat and I's relationship is trading $100 back and forth every yeah, year. Pretty so. much, yeah, pretty much. It's just in some very strange money exchange system we've got going on here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you could uh, review us on iTunes. Uh, would be great. We haven't read our iTunes reviews in probably four years. But uh, I, I, every so often I think about it, and I'm like, you yeah. know what? It's probably not a good idea at this point. Probably not worth it. Like at the beginning um, there, it was kind of interesting, and now it's like, you know what? That seems almost, it seems actually kind of dangerous, if I'm yeah. being honest, for us to go, yeah. for us to delve into that, 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 that territory. 
it's true. It's true. But if you want to go that route, five star, five star iTunes reviews are uh, are or <laughs> what are they calling it now? Apple Apple Podcasts or something like that. I don't that. fucking know. I don't, I, that's, I that's how disconnected that, we are from that yeah. system. They changed names probably like two years ago at this point. I, I would like to point iTunes. out a thing I learned today is that it shows that iTunes shows a maximum <laughs> of three hundred episodes. So We've yes. crossed we've crossed that threshold where you can never if you use iTunes you will never get our first episodes which is actually probably a good thing thank you yeah, iTunes yeah. for yeah, censoring I, the early works of this podcast we're uh, we're approaching four hundred so uh, yeah that's probably a good cutoff point <laughs> yeah no it's probably pretty it's pretty I I would say ideal honestly yeah um, <laughs> those first that first hundred were rough. Yeah. But yeah, however you want to choose support us, uh, iTunes reviews. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Does uh, Does Spotify do rating systems? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm so I disconnected mean, I ever, from monetization. I that, yeah, um, I, I know. I know Spotify. I mean, I have a, a Spotify account, and I will listen to our podcast one time on it just to see that it, like, to prove to myself yeah. that that wasn't a joke. Yes. Um, and that was it. Uh, I will say that, like. Almost nobody else has rating systems. I guess Stitcher does, but I don't even know what Stitcher is. I just hear it said by people who run podcasts that aren't ours. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, that's a thing. Um, you know. Yeah. That's, you rating know, us I, that's how I find is probably good. Uh, giving us money is, is fine. And uh, Well, I mean, uh, giving uh, us money is a is an actual universal moral good. I mean, we... Yeah. we, we if... This uh, is if one of our listeners happened to own a, an internet delivery mattress business, uh, we're always looking for sponsorship. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, only if you specifically yourself own it. That's that is yeah, the rule. If you we own it, and you're trying to get it off the ground. <laughs> yeah, you like we, we will accept any direct sponsorship. I will not work. I will not show for some faceless corporation. But if you personally own a mattress company, yeah. fucking give us a call. <laughs> Also, if you own some sort of weird, that you know they don't do that one anymore. What was it, Nature Box? Yeah, I don't hear that one anymore. But yeah, if you own some sort of snack delivery service yourself, I'll totally show for that. Um, what else? We I got? may not show uh, for it, but I would enjoy some snacks, please. Well, yeah, I mean, also if you send us some snacks, but I mean, I will, I will talk about your again. If you are an actual listener who owns a company, I will absolutely talk about your company. <laughs> You say that until you find out Elon Musk is a regular listener God to our damn podcast. It, you're right. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Fuck. He doesn't do anything in that company anyway. All right. This week we are finishing off the feature films of the uh, box set of three films by Hiroshi uh, Teshigahara. Uh, next week we will finish off the entire box set with the four short films that are included on the box set as well. Uh, but the titular three films we finish up this week. Each of these three films is a collaboration with uh, Kobo Abe, novelist and playwright, uh, who also, I believe, wrote the screenplays for each of these films as well. Uh, the last two, uh, Pitfall and The Woman in the Dunes, uh, were phenomenal. And yes. this week we're talking about Ace of an- <laughs> The Face of Another. Uh, it's not phenomenal. It's not as good. Uh, I believe at Pitfall, I described all of these movies as uh, that particular 1960s thing that existed where uh, we were making feature-length 
feature length Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah, and this one definitely qualifies. And and the face of another is probably the most the most likely to be an actual Twilight Zone episode. Out of it, all, all, I would of almost guarantee there is a Twilight Zone episode that is just this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. There has to be. I will say, uh, you know, Pat got into it during the introduction already, uh, but I will say for what this movie lacks in interesting plot. And perhaps interesting ideas in that it boils. Pitfall, Pitfall is principally about labor uh, yes. and a little bit about identity. Uh, Woman in the Dunes is a lot about society, labor, how that interacts, and identity, and how all of that kind of coalesces and is a masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, I think I think because I also is, watched the. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. sorry, the face of another is principally principally it feels just about identity and kind of. Kind of leaves the labor stuff, yeah. By for, the wayside, a hundred percent, yeah, yeah. But the and... issue is, is that the problem is, is that the the identity stuff was probably the least interesting stuff, yeah. In those first two movies, to the point where I, I, I watched that um, that uh, documentary that's also on the the Criterion the video channel. essay. No, the other one, the the oh the, the one with yes. the yeah. Teshigara and Abe, uh, yeah, and then they and a bunch of a bunch of film critics and people talk about it, and they focus really hard on identity as his primary topic, which I mean I guess is true probably over the course of his entire movie making, like his oeuvre, but like still I'm really annoyed with the sort of going conception that women uh, like. Uh, Woman of the Sands, or sorry, Woman of I forget what the real name is. I know only know the Japanese. Woman of the Dunes. Woman of the Dunes is uh, is principally about identity. When it's like, not. I mean, only is uh, only in as far as it is about how you conceive of yourself within a within a nightmare system. Yeah. Uh, like you know what I mean? But like, it's he... it's it's to us it was principally about the nightmare system. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and like I think it's really un. I'm actually pretty annoyed, honestly, about this. This is a thing that's been kind of annoying me, and then today it got worse when I watched that documentary. Basically, the print, the, the entire method by which they arrive at the conception that Woman of the Dunes is about identity is that scene where he lays down in the boat and talks about identity cards. <laughs> right. Which is, which is, I would say, actually is mostly about your place in this nightmare system, right? Right, right. which like, we talked about last week. The netting <laughs> that it builds around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, now, like, this one, it's like, oh, I see. Actually, he wants to talk about, like, I don't think it's fair to mix those two movies together, and I think that's what they're always doing, is being like, well, this one's all about identity, so all the other ones are also all about identity, because right. the doppelganger only stuff only that have one topic. Right. The doppelganger stuff in Pitfall does does get us there too right and that's yes, not something yeah, you and i focused on when we talked about pit no but it does exist yes yeah so so if you're if you want a through line to talk about all three of these movies as if they're all about the same thing uh the face of another drops the labor aspects and really only talks about the identity aspects uh so you've got to talk about identity if you want to talk about a through line Right, and, but why? I, but I think sure. that's that's laziness, though, right? Like right. when you're a critic or somebody, and you're just like, I need a, I need a, a real catchy through line to connect these. Like every movie doesn't have to be about the same thing, right? 
Our director can make movies that are about three different people. things. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't understand why they needed to be like that. Because it's not. It's just not. And obviously, you know, the uh, the Criterion three films box sets are usually groups of three films that have similar through lines from the same director, right? Yeah. But, I guess, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But not always. And, yeah, and I also, mean, I, I mean, thinking back, uh, it is generally the last film in those box sets that connects the least for you and I. That's uh, true. I think about uh, the uh, the earliest one I can think of is The God Films by Bergman, uh, where <clears throat> Winter's Light and, uh, um, oh goodness, what's the first one with the, the where they're on the island? You're, you're doing all the work on this one, man. I <laughs> do not remember the name of any of those movies. <laughs> the Spider Monster God. Oh, um, yeah, I don't remember what the name yeah, of that movie was, though. But I remember the movie. Yeah, those first two connected with us much more than Silence, the third one, uh, which uh, took it into a much more metaphorical route, um, but perhaps less metaphysical route, uh, which uh, which lost you and I in that conversation at the time. I'm sure if we went right. back and watched all, yeah, three of I mean, those this is a this now, is a very that's a, a very long time ago, yeah, but, but yeah, uh, so so maybe it's just. Uh, by the time we hit the third movie, we're tired of <laughs> tired of this whole conceit all the time. But, yeah, uh, but no, I. But yeah, that also I get it. that wasn't true for say the. Uh, <sighs> just, I can't think of any names today. That I wasn't mean, true for yeah, say the Paul Robeson box set, right? The Paul Robeson oh, right. box set kept our interest the entire time. So right, and and the and the and the that through line was so much. Yeah more just explicitly there and was yeah. also like evolutionary to a certain extent right, right. it was telling right. a sort of story the, yeah. my problem is is that like they don't also the, all though they don't all have a through line right sometimes the, the box sets are just hey three movies by this director because we want yeah. to show you everything by this director but also never think about him in the criterion collection again yeah we want to dump him on you and then never have and never look back yeah and uh i feel like that's more of what this is if we're being honest, like, right. I, I think those critics are being a little bit on, again, I just can't get over calling woman of the dunes about identity. I'm like, right. only, again, only in the sense that your identity is dependent on your place in the system. Right. Like, but like that's, whereas this one is not about that at all though. Like it's yeah. not even about his place in the system. This one is, this one's frankly kind of lazy. Right. Now, one thing we didn't talk about with Pitfall is how that movie uses identi identity to suggest that uh, there's sort of an alternate reality that exists within the realm of that film. There is the one doppelganger who is the low-level worker who dies and the other doppelganger who is the union boss. And, well, who uh, also dies, but and the world, happen. yes, who also dies, but the uh, the entire power hierarchy above them is conspiring to try to make the union boss into the dead worker, right? Right. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> that's why, honestly speaking, the order of these movies should just be flipped. This Maybe. should have been the first one. Yeah. Then they could have shown us probably Woman of the Dunes second. And then that, and then Pitfall as a sort of 
uh, sort of conclusionary statement, you know, where yeah. it's like, then like then we would have because we watched it first, we didn't latch onto the identity shit at all, right? Because, you know, it it it, it, it doesn't serve well as a thesis statement as well as it does as a conclusion. I think uh, that's to fair that too. Theory, um, and I I suppose as as an audience we could we can reverse engineer it and say that those sort of critics and stuff are right but i i think that this one as it stands even if you do that is sort of independent and not really related that well to those two other movies right now obviously we did we watched them in chronological order of release right right 62 64 66 uh so this is the the final movie of uh of the relationship between Abe and Teshigahara. Right. So. And that's probably what they're mainly focusing on, right? Like, right. that's what the Criterion Collection is actually about, is that collaboration. Right. Probably. And, right? Like that, that, and as we've that mentioned in the past, the music for all of these films were done by the same guy, too, Toru uh, Takamatsu. Right, yeah. So they, they're, of, they're of a piece in that way. And, and they do share some, like, this has a lot of weird, like, this one gets very surrealist in its metaphysical elements. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot more about visions and see, like, as a sort of side note. But those play so little importance in the actual plot that they, right? They feel like just weird '60s tack-ons than they do. I, you, you know what I mean? I think this but, movie is much more visually interesting and absolutely. film craft interesting. Absolutely. Um, perhaps even than the other movies. Oh, I would uh, agree. It's definitely the, the most sophisticated. Yeah. The doubling of shots, the the yeah. the surrealness of the surgeon's office. Period. Is yes, is is amazing. Yeah, no, is that, amazing that place is wild. Yeah, and is fascinating, uh, and is well done for what it wants to be. Right, um, and well done for the disconnectedness that the surgeon is uh, introducing to the film, right? A different sort of disconnectedness because this is, this is a guy, um, you know, the, the principal message of this film, I suppose, is, is that we're all wearing masks, uh, and the masks are what disconnect us from each other. Uh, but no amount of changing of masks is going to make you more connected. Right. And that's, you know, it's baseline, as you've said, dorm, dorm room philosophy. It's not, (laughs) Yeah, it's not. Even, it's not revolutionary, right? Uh, by any means. And maybe that's the problem. The other in, in their in their talking about labor politics in relations to power hierarchies. The others, the others were literally revolutionary. Well, right. And, and, to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and um, I and I think it's interesting because I think the movie do, this movie does have some visually tries to make points about that, which are fast, yeah. which are nice and fascinating. Especially again, getting into the psychiatrist's office slash surgeon it's very weird uh what his yeah. job is but like because it talks about you know he exists in this realm that almost exists outside of the, our universe to a right. certain extent and 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 is not connected to the world at all really uh and that's all fascinating and then there's this weird layering there because there's a lot of like old like historical japanese stuff going on in the background which is really fascinating there's a lot of visual cues that are really fascinating over top of, as you mentioned, a very, very basic Twilight Zone plot. Right. 
right. uh, it's and, yeah and so if we can ignore the plot there's a lot of interesting things that happen in this movie right. like the, you mentioned the doubling of shots which is really neat i really yeah. enjoyed that a lot well i mean that stuff that stuff plays to plot too though right the doubling right. of yeah, shots absolutely. is absolutely. is also about how people are treating him differently with the new face right 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 and it's the the different treatment that leads to him to really go off the deep end but he was always he was always a man considering violence right we were introduced right. to him absolutely. considering well, that's violence. what i'm saying is like it it, it, it the movie manages to introduce those elements without them actually affecting the plot of the story at all yeah in the sense that yes he starts off as a very violent person uh at least and it is not it is not just his ostracization from society through accident that has made him a violent person maybe our in is to talk about the accident itself it is an industrial accident it is yeah uh and it's treated as though and he's sort of been put in a position to treat it as though it was his fault, despite the fact yes. that the description he gives is very clearly not his fault. Right. Which does track with this era of Japanese history in terms of, like, we are, this is still, six, late 60s is towards the end of this, but it's still the nascent, like, workers' movement era in Japan where the idea that, like, your employers are responsible for what happens to you rather than the other way around. Uh, Late, like I said, late sixties is is getting towards, right, like unions. You know, we we have a fairly powerful union in the first film, which predates this one by quite a lot of time, and so it kind of almost feels to a certain extent like elements of this film are almost historical in nature to a certain extent, but. Uh, like, like maybe it's set ten years before it actually was filmed, kind of thing, but yeah. it's not because very clearly it's the it's very clearly the late like the mid to late sixties in this movie, <laughs> like painfully so. Yeah, I mean the accident is, but the accident doesn't have a lot of bearing on his behavior going forward. Like he didn't, it doesn't turn him in. He doesn't go and murder his boss. Right. He doesn't. Or he, he doesn't become the Joker. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh. But, you know, that plays into his wife recognizes him, or at least claims to have retroactively recognized him after well, he reveals. Well, I, I would argue that and the I movie th- gives you pretty pretty clear indication that she did. Yeah, almost. Uh, I, I it, think that's it, right it, they want to create a slight sense he's, of uh um, He's deluded at that right. point, but she does recognize him and thinks this is some sort of psychosexual game he's playing that, well, that she's I mean, into. So. But also, think about it, like, in a in an in an environment where they very clearly their relationship has become very strained, yeah. By his acts by the accident, like the idea that like we, we, the movie does play with an interesting thing, but it doesn't do it. In, I think enough. And this element where they where he seduces her, air quotes, uh, as yeah. close as it gets to it, is the fact that she makes it clear that the reason why she is distanced from him is because he's actively pushing her away from him. Right. Like. He he, cr- sort of creates the bubble that he is in to a certain extent. Like the movie, when we watch the movie, we don't actually see anybody treat him poorly, except for the fact that he's also just being an asshole. Y- you know what I mean? And, and I don't think it talks. Of, the movie talks about it enough, but like he's actively just an asshole to almost everybody he talks to. Right. Right. 
when he's got his his right. bandages on. Uh, and so we never find out, like, we never get to see a world where people are bad to him because of what he looks like now or because of his accident. All we see is a world where people are distant and cold to him because he's an asshole. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Now, it's a really that's a fascinating thing. That is a fun, is interesting because it also gets into things like trauma and stuff, but it doesn't really deal with those things very right, much. Right, right, and that's that's really where this where this movie falls apart is that it's not not wanting to explore any of these ideas from that direction. Right. Um, yeah, uh, it, it wants to explore exclusively the idea that the facade of your face determines how you're treated. Right. Essentially, and and. To that point, the movie does have times where he is treated differently despite not being a jerk, like the the rental, right? When he, we have the two scenes where he goes to rent the apartment and he's dismissed out of hand uh, seemingly because of his face, not because he's he's been a jerk to the landlord. Um, right, but we, you know, and the, and the movie does play with this a little bit too. He acts far more interesting and charismatic with his new fair. face. Right. Like so, and and so that's an interesting thing to play with is the idea that it affect it. You know, and the and the psychiatrist slash surgeon talks about the fact that it reflects inward, as yeah. well, uh, and that then they and they do in acting try to make that very clear, right? Uh, and and that that I mean that part is well done, but that's also not revolutionary in any way in terms of like ideas, right? The idea that like if you act more confident, people treat you differently sort of thing yeah now i mean there's a version of this film that exists where he is frustrated but kind when his face is scarred and then when he's beautiful he's just a jerk uh right that yeah that's that movie i certainly don't want that that would be be one way where the movie could be worse um but uh yeah it's just well, we get into the fact that the reality of the matter is the thing you and I are struggling with to a certain extent is the fact that the film is is focused primarily on that sort of surface level concept of appearance rather than dealing with him and like where his that anger he has comes from and a lot of that. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't it doesn't want to deal with him as in a it wants to deal with him as a sort of test subject in a petri dish. Yeah. Without addressing him, him even as a as a real person to a certain extent, right? Like he's just he doesn't. We don't get a lot of character depth actually out of our main character in this film. We get a lot of him. We essentially get two versions of him, uh, both of which are somewhat inexplicable. Are, don't seem necessarily to my mind grounded in a well developed. Sort of, right. you know, I don't feel like there's a whole person underneath it in either either versions of the character. Yeah, because I can't figure out what the confident face having character is doing either. Like, as far as I can tell, he's just confident. fucking walking around the city doing random shit. Random shit that his confidence allows him to do, Pat. Right, but like it, it seems all purposeless and aimless. And like we find out later, fairly far into the film, that his plan is to seduce his wife. Was that his plan the whole time? Because a lot of what he's doing is just sort of wandering around the city doing random shit. Well, a lot of it is establishing that people 
are treating him differently and that they don't recognize he's he he's building up to his wife right right <clears throat> because he well, he goes to people who should know him but don't and that's part of part of the critique right. of of work culture in this movie if we read into it is yes yeah you could do that his, yeah his wife sees through this guy's uh but the people who, the other people who he spends every day with do not well, and that, uh, but that's the problem, right? Is that the movie does fail to introduce us to a lot of other people who should actually know him very well. Yeah, the secretary of your boss, or even your secretary, like the idea that they would know you well—that's kind of ridiculous. Well, like, that's I mean, an, if we're that's being another honest, thing. actually, here. this movie, this movie does. I'm only just now thinking about it, but. Uh, when we're first introduced to his secretary, or maybe maybe the the office secretary that he talks to, I think on the way into a meeting with the boss, uh, he's in the mask, and he says, "How do you know it's me? How do you know it's not some some weirdo who just put the put the mask on?" And she says, "Oh, I can tell by your voice." And his response is, "Everyone would sound the same with these with these bandages on." Um, and the bandages don't cover his mouth, so that's not really accurate. Yeah, it's nonsense. But, but, yeah. but that's the same woman he's talking to later who does not recognize – his voice has changed, right? Um, well, yes and no, right? Like, I don't – never mind the, the elements of film Or she crafting. at least doesn't recognize the, the voice. But, that, but, that's, but that's – keep in mind that a person you meet at work is essentially a stranger, Right, right. Like, which we talked for about. For all intents and purposes, too. is a slight a stranger you know slightly better yeah. than Rando on the street. Like or, I could not identify my. Co- I will say that that's not necessarily true. Anyway, right. I have people I work with who every so often I'm watching TV and I'm like, oh shit, that sounds exactly like so and so. Yeah. Uh, human beings, not actually that bad at that thing. Okay. But like that, it's it's necessary for the premise of the film. But my problem is that it doesn't introduce you to people who should actually know him, and that's part of the buildup, right? Is he never actually tests it with anybody who should know him? But he part only, of the background he, is that he doesn't have anyone who should know him. So like, then what that tells us is he was an asshole before the accident. Yeah. Right. Because the idea that he has one single person in the entire fucking world who knows who could identify him. Based on mannerisms and voice yeah. and smell, and that's his wife, paints a picture of a very b- sad person. The one person who socially he could not withdraw from, really, right? Right. Yeah, but but like that's why my point is like he doesn't go visit other. It's not we don't go visit his best friend or some shit like that. Yeah, to confirm that this system works, which says okay, well, does that mean he doesn't have one? Well, if he doesn't have one. That means that he probably didn't have one before the accident because let's say let's create a if we create a world where you and I, one of us face offs, okay? Um even if I withdrew from you because of trauma, once I got the new face and I was trying to test it, you would be an ideal subject of somebody who's kind of a step up along the way towards my wife. Yeah. Who's slightly less threatening than my wife. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, you would be a key candidate to test this, my new my new you know Nicholas Cage mask with, and uh, he doesn't do that. Which so does that mean he just didn't have friends before? I'm willing to believe it. Maybe he was always an asshole. <laughs> I mean, he did decide as as a response to trauma that he should probably scar his wife's face. 
Right. That's, I don't think that's a, a super normal response to trauma. Like, I don't, you don't I don't read know a lot of, you don't, I don't know, but like. I don't know that it's necessarily abnormal. It is just. I don't uh, know. Yeah. It's, well, it's um, a very violent one, to say the least. It is. It is. But the idea of uh, wanting, feeling disconnected enough that he wants his wife, the person he presumably uh, loves the most in the world, uh, to uh, to feel what he's feeling. Um, it's not great because it's abusive. Right, but I, but. I yeah, I, I mean, but you when you hear him describe it, it's always, and this could be chalked up to writing as well, uh, it's really hard to tell. Like that seems like sort of almost an excuse he's cooked up for why yeah. he wants to hurt her, rather than like the actual reason he wants to hurt her. Yeah, you I, mean, I mean, like I... that's the justification. Sort of he's constructed around the fact that like he wants to give pain. Yeah, to others. Right. I mean, we and could the fact also that talk he about murder somebody at the end. Kind of yeah. really keys us into the fact that this guy is a dangerous was a dangerous person. Right. Probably for a long time. Right, and no amount of mass makes a dangerous person less of a dangerous person. Right. Because the changes need to happen on the inside, not the outside. Uh, and that's, sure, another blasé message we can take from this movie. Right. So, Well, yeah, and, and you know, the movie talks about sort of, you know, tries to talk about the idea of the mass reflecting inward, and, and but the sort of reflections of the mass in this, within this film, the reflections of the mass inward are mostly superficial anyway. Right. Like he just w- is more confident, quote unquote. And that's about it. Um, so I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like this movie does a great job of even proving the point it's trying to make. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, if I'm being honest, it, it does okay. But again, well, very okay. How does the secondary plot line then? change how we interpret the primary plot well line. the secondary plot line is is significantly more interesting first of all right than the main plot of this movie so the interesting thing about the secondary plot line to me uh is that in the novel it exists as a movie the main character sees in a theater right uh whereas here it is not something that the main character has to interact with right Right, so I and think, I it think that's problematic to a certain right. extent. Right, I think I think it probably exists more interestingly in the novel than it does yeah. in the film here. Uh, but the secondary plot line is is much more much more interesting. But is it meant as a balance between the way men and women uh, deal with trauma? That is a possibility for the description here. Yeah, it also has a possibility of being describing trying to sort of differentiate just in terms of like I, I it is possible it is possible that's what the goal is and that that's problematic right um uh but it, there's also the possibility that it's talking about the sorts of trauma and the sort of the difference between that trauma happening at a young age and sort of following you through your whole life versus right uh, right there's too many differences between yeah, it's it's really hard to know here, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, right. It uh, is someone it is someone who has also experienced a face disfiguring trauma. <laughs> but in 1966, uh, one thing this film 
suggests is that the trauma that everyone in Japan is masking is war trauma, right? Right. Yeah. That. I mean, that's a suggestion. I. I mean, but the the second film obviously makes that, or the second plot makes that makes very it much clear. more explicit. Right. The first one, it's very hard to see. Like, it, it is a it saying, is a uh, fairly distant leap to get from. Yes, a workplace accident in Japan at that time period would be sort of an extension of war play, of war trauma because of the way Japan recovered right. from the war was like hyper industrialization, hyper work where like everybody where essentially people were forced to labor right. I just so what? dangerously to like get the country back up and running that it became a the dangerous work environments were yeah. the norm. I'm just saying what the what the other narrative forces us to do is to interact with the main narrative, not just as the text. Right. We have to yeah. we have to look at what the yeah. subtext is here, which is you know, right, something but... something I feel like focusing on the main narrative only. Uh, we're struggling with the subtext of the main narrative. I, I would agree. I, but I think that the secondary narrative make actually makes the plain the first the right. basic narrative harder to understand maybe because there are so many differences between the two yeah. it's hard to see them uh, as being of a piece with each other in any meaningful way well um, the meaningful way they're of a piece of each other is that they exist inside the same piece of art so <laughs> well i understand that but like i mean i can draw a picture with a to- with a generally totally unrelated picture hanging on the wall in the picture Right, like that's but, a thing I can do, and yes, they are now contextually related <laughs> to each other, but that doesn't mean it's good art. Right, right. And just because yeah. they exist within each other that doesn't mean that it's good art now. Yeah. Um, like the quality of both of them is is important to determining right. whether or not it makes sense, and they're just the only real like identifying feature is the fact that they're both about appearance. Right. Um, and and. Yes, it's possible that it's related to do to way men and women handle this kind of trauma. I don't think that's a fair reading of it. Yeah. Uh, well, what where I think the novel probably handles that aspect better of of allowing uh, allowing the text of the secondary narrative to be the subtext of the main narrative is that if our main character is watching it as a film. That makes that much more explicit, right? Whenever right. your now whenever your character with it, interacts yeah. with a piece of art, that right. piece of Absolutely. art is is telling us something about your character, right? right? But that sub uh, that 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 other narrative is explicitly a woman who is dealing both innately and overtly with war trauma, right? She is being right. She is being attacked by uh, psychologically damaged veterans. But she is also herself dealing with the personal effects of what is never explicitly but very overtly meant to be a scarring from the bombing. Well, I mean, she literally talks about Nagasaki. Yes. Like, right. It's. And then the guy gets turned into maybe roasted ham. Yeah. By an atomic blast. That that part was a little unclear there at the very end what that is. But yeah, I mean, it's very clear like. She's a she's a victim of uh, the atomic blast in Nagasaki, pretty clearly, um, and you know she has keloids and things like that from that. Right. Um, it, it's and, and I think and and like 
But what that's trying to tell us about the main narrative, that's what's a little bit I'm struggling to make the connection. I don't know what it's trying to tell us about the main narrative. That all of modern Japanese society in 66, the golden years, the uh, the uh, rebound economically from the war is just a mask that we're putting on the war trauma that that is superficial at best and does not change who we are as a people. Right. And so which, if, which if we really, follow that, is it? Okay. Following that, following that line into the other two movies, that mask is being put on over top of authoritarian power structures, right? Right, absolutely. Right, the, and that, and my, pro- I don't have a an actual problem with that as a thought process, except for the fact that, like, whenever you form a, an analogy like that, then you have to watch the movie with that conceptualization in mind, and so. I guess what he's arguing, and there's nothing wrong with this argument, is that this will eventually lead Japan into more, like, eventually into becoming another a violent, right, murderous country again, basically. Which is which is what Suzuki was worried about at the same time, right? It's yes, what, true. It's what, it's what. Well, that's what all of Japan was worried right. about. The same, see, and that's that's where we kind of run into a problem, which is that's not a new idea. No, but it is. That's a fairly. That's a fairly. Baseline Japanese, like 1960s free thinking individuals. It is what every 1960s Japanese film we've watched is dealing is with about. To, to different degrees because they are filtered through different people's art styles. Right. Right. That's all I'm saying. Now, that does not make this movie worse. Because there are there are a lot of there are movies no, of varying but, qualities that we have seen, that that in itself does not is not a reflection of the quality of this movie. The no, uniqueness but I of would, that idea, because everyone is dealing with that. <laughs> right. My my problem is is that in terms of, but we do have to compare the various ways that people have yeah tried to present that. This one is okay at presenting that as an idea. I mean, it's definitely there. Uh, it is I think the main character makes it more complicated because him as an analogy for the Japanese people is a little it can get a little strange you know what I mean? Like Right. On the one hand he's an authoritarian with violent tendencies. On the other hand, he's also some sort of middle manager. Right. right. So, so he's hardly Hirohito here, right? Well, but at the same time, you've just described probably what they're actually worried about, right? Like, in all legitimacy, like, the sort of middle manager is the sort of person who... The guy who just goes along with everything? Yeah. Is just what leads to war, right? Like, I mean, right. like, a bunch of right. middle managers going along with whatever the fuck right. is how you end up in wars all the time, right? Um, but then he's also supposed to be Japan, the country, in that sense... Right. And then I but, don't know who he's murdering. Like, I don't know what the psychiatrist is at that point, what the surgeon is at that point. The person. So is that about violent revolution then? Because he kills the person who gave him the mask? Um, To keep the mask? I mean, a, a, a very overt interpretation of that would be American interventionalism. <laughs> intervention. Right? Right. Uh, but, like, even by 1966, but, we're, we're, we're fully... Where that's pretty far in. I mean, it's not that far in the past, but it's like okay. So who if if okay, 
I I agree with the basic premise. It's just anytime you get into analogies yeah. and stuff, it gets kind of tortured sometimes, right? <laughs> right. So, but I do. We can make this analogy much more tortured than it needs to be. Um, no, but, but 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 it's worth exploring because when uh, when you do this sort of thing, yeah, and you're saying this is the mass that was that was given to us to hide the fact, and there's very valid arguments, very common valid arguments for the idea that the the mask of modern Japan was a thing put on Japanese people yeah. that they now wear. Uh, to hide I, that mask the, is not atrocity. necessarily Americanism so much as a more general Western uh, consumerism. Western right, but if you look at the Western. sort of you know, there's there the the arguments about how the Constitution of Japan was written are are valid arguments. It right. is it is still fundamentally a good Constitution that yeah. that is about pacifism. So I can't argue that it was necessarily the worst thing that's ever happened in the world. But like it was, it, it, there's. A lot of books out there about the fact that that Japan was democratic, basically in name only, in in its modern conception, um, and stuff like that, right? So, like, you could definitely have that as a mask over authoritarianism, and and and, but then again, you know, we talked about this last week. Is basically, you know, capitalism itself is its own form of gross authoritarianism yeah. that like that you know was not introduced by the west right uh well it was introduced by the well that's complicated not really <laughs> right uh but like you know we i the reason i just want to i want to follow it through though is because okay so this mask is this modernized japan this modernized pacifist japan were full of hardworking people who uh, we'll do Who underneath to would go them. back to pre-war authoritarianism yeah, like at the drop of a hat? Yeah, is... which is a weird way to view yourself, like to to view to conceive of your own country. You, that's very negative, but you know, you have we all have a right to view our own country however we want to view our own country, right? Um, but my issue with that is, is like we do well, get I this mean, very weird thing. That's also the message of fighting elegy. Right. That's, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I, totally. You know, you know. I, I, that's what I'm saying. Is it? It's. It's. It is very. Which came out the same year. Negative. It's very sad and negative, but it's. It is well within the purview of a person to feel that way about their own country. Totally. Yeah. Um. Is what I'm saying. Like it's sad and negative, but. But it's okay. It's yeah, I mean, a that's feeling right. a lot of people had at this time. Right. <laughs> a fear. Uh, a my, fear that a lot of the counterculture people we have already interacted with had explicitly oh, and, at and let's same be clear time. here a fear they were not wrong about because right the year is 29 <laughs> right. the year is 2020 and that sure as shit did actually happen <laughs> right like, okay let's be right. very clear i i live in a country where they're actively regularly warmongers are trying to rewrite the constitution so they can have an army so they can go attack people that, that's right. a thing that is happening fucking daily here okay they're, they're, these guys are not wrong i just don't know what what I just I really want to figure out what killing the guy who made the mask is. It is other than just an analogy for he's... turning towards violence. Okay, I get that, but like I feel like that should mean something, right? The mask is the idea that you'll go back to war and you'll just throw off the facade entirely. You'll just right. You'll you'll destroy. The mask like, is meant to facilitate a pretense? moving on. Right. 
it is it is yeah. at its heart a benevolent thing and it allows the wife to overlook this guy's more violent tendencies and to just pretend that this is the new world and everything's fine right uh right. it allows the rest of society to uh ignore the past because they're disconnected from the past um a a new generation perhaps uh, not that any of them are especially young people <clears throat> that he interacts with. Um, the business people, of course, want to sweep anything under the rug because <laughs> they've got right. they want to keep keep doing business. Uh, so they're 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 more than willing to <laughs> accept the mask as a different person, but only because they were more than willing to pretend the original person didn't exist when he wasn't right i mean they don't the, the, i mean them, right? the, like it's it's conceptualization of the way w business and capitalism right. works is right. fine right. it's that like they don't give a fuck about you like so it doesn't matter <laughs> the murdering of the doctor is a murdering of the mask itself or or an exception you know the the fact that the doctor and his final conversation takes place surrounded by everyday people in masks uh is uh, yeah. is when you know when we talk about this being baseline dorm room philosophy is yeah okay but if we're talking about the mask as not not a, an individual identity but a social identity of the entire country Yes, everyone's wearing that mask because everyone's pretending we've moved beyond where we were 20 years ago. Which which I would argue is not a fair analysis of Japan in 1966 mm -hmm. in terms of the way people felt. You you know uh, a lot more about that than I do. So Like we, I mean like a lot of I mean and well only within like the realm of reading about it, but like Right, neither of us are native like, to that, so. Right, but, like, within the realm of reading about it, like, keep in mind this is also right during the, the, the height of Japanese countercultural movements and student riots and things like that. Like, this is a really important time in Japanese history. Um, I have to look up the exact year, but, like, uh, and, and that eventually got suppressed. I mean, like, that's, it, it, uh, the mask essentially eventually does yeah 1968 to 1969 the todai riots yeah so like um i wanted to just make sure my year was right but like the point is is that like um so we're right before that sort of stuff and you see a lot of my my issue with it is that like there there are it, i'm trying to think about how to describe what i want to say here but it 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 really it's a problem that we see in something like fighting elegy as well, but even I think stronger in this, which is an is a a un, a sort of belief that this thing is going to happen. And like I said, they're not actually wrong about what will sort of come to pass. Keep in mind, though, the mask facilitates that up till today, and actually is the per, to a certain extent is what makes these things come to pass in yeah. Japan, uh, even now. Like, the mask doesn't get murdered. The mask just becomes the face that does all the murdering. Uh, but my issue is that, like, it seems to conceive of a world where most Japanese people aren't going through the same, don't aren't necessarily going through the same thing. 
were rather just wearing the mask. You, you know what I mean? Like the, the idea that like the people working in the office buildings and stuff are also not worried about something very similar. I think I think that final sequence with with everyone else wearing masks does is suggesting precisely that that everyone is wearing the mask to cover the the trauma of the war. And I think that the the B plot leads me to that. Right. Yeah, I I mean by that I would hand agree leads me to I, that. I, I, <laughs> I feel like the ending does is a little bit weak on trying to convey that information. They don't all murder the doctor. He murders the doctor. Right. But right. like I again, you know, I don't I don't the doctor the doctor in the end is the fear of what the mask is. So the doctor's next step is to remove the mask, right? And he is murdered well, to, to stop from well, the mask. Well, the doctor says, first the doctor says, give it back all you promise, and then eventually just says, fuck it, I don't care, basically. <laughs> and then he's trying to escape, too, right? Right. But, so but it's he says, a little weird. But he only yeah. says, I don't care, after I think it becomes explicit, <laughs> implicit to him that uh, that this guy will kill him to keep the mask in place. Right. And I think, I think society will kill you to keep the mask in place is not a... Uh, that's not a, a a far reach, right? Because yeah, although that, I mean that has like, happened frequently, <laughs> right? And, and, you know, it, it the problem is, you know, you get it. It's just it 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 can get a little. It can easily get a little tortured. Is all, and like, I think uh, that's that is fair. And, it is, and it's not it's not the fault of the movie in that sense, except for like you know analogies are like that, right? Like, um, I I would say that like. Even to the even up until this point, relying that heavily on the B plot to contextualize the A plot. Well, I'm also is, I'm also reply, relying on the other two movies we've watched too, right? I think right. I understand that. Yeah, to just to drop to drop the authoritarianism elements in our interpretation of this is to do exactly what we complained about the the people oh, in that documentary yeah. doing, right? Right, totally. I mean, and so, yeah, we can definitely hold on to it, and I and I would agree that I think you've you've stumbled upon a, a fairly good reading of this movie. Um, it, it it you just do get into this question about whether or not the mask is covering what exactly the mask is covering, whether or not it's covering war trauma, which is what the sort of the B plot would indicate, or if it's covering. Because like war trauma and violent and violent Japanese tendencies are not the same thing. That's right. You, you also, know what I mean? Like, also true. It, and so that's that's what gets get where it gets a little bit difficult is because like the B plot is one hundred percent about war trauma. Like absolutely one hundred percent. The problem is is that like his reversion of violence, making that be a direct process that results from war trauma is is an argument to be made but I, it sort of implies that those two things are the same thing i'm not to a certain extent i don't i don't want to say it just is causation because uh the the war trauma leading to more violence is part of the cycle of trauma and violence that led to the war trauma to begin with like this this is more ancient 
right? It, it is it is culturally ingrained uh, in in all our cultures in in their own way. This is a a cycle of violence that uh, exhibits itself in the vast majority of human civilizations right Right. although Uh, but like if we look at what the so if we get really really complicated okay if we go real far down the fucking rabbit hole okay you can pretty easily point to the antecedent for the war trauma yeah being the mask itself okay uh because we this is not within the (laughs) okay if we take this mask as as a nice analogy here this is not the first time Japan has worn this mask, and the mask led to the war trauma in the first place in the way that Japan dealt with having to deal with the West directly. was um, there's, a, there's a fairly clear through line to, like, oh, we can't keep ourselves separate from this anymore, so the only way to respond to this is to become this. And, the, you know... To become that is to now start colonizing and to start waging war on people around you, and 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 that's sort of the antecedent. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's weird because then the mask becomes the thing that actually causes the war, not necessarily, but then also leads to the trauma. It's it's it is very cyclical. That's what masks do; they cover things. But this, but, right? but <laughs> like we, we, the movie doesn't provide us with mo- a sort of history of masks in that way. That's uh, that is fair. So it sort of starts at the at the trauma, right? Which you know is fine, but yeah, but but if if uh, Tushkahara's point is that we have never adequately dealt with the war trauma, that will lead us to continue this cycle of violence because we have just put a mask over it, then all you... (laughs) The step to undoing that cycle, the first step is to deal with the current trauma. Then we can step back and deal with the trauma that caused that trauma (laughs) and and go on. Right, yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, it's, (laughs) you know, it's it's interesting because it does start with um, the sort of industrial accident. Yeah. Which... Which, in that sense, we, we I kind of brought this up earlier. Right, industrialization like, itself is an aspect of right. The and, war. and keep in mind, right. it, like this is, this does tell a thing that, like I said, like at that time during Japan's sort of like re sort of re kickstarting of its economy, people suffered mightily under the boot of, in the name of, the revitalization of Japan, like. Is a, is a part of that war trauma, right? Is like resetting the country itself, right? Um, and so he he is a character, is a direct sort of product of that as well, right? So it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, I I think I think if we read the book, I think we would probably find the book more. I I have a feeling the book sounds more to me a little bit more interesting than the movie but that's just me yeah um, just because like i mean i don't think i mean like wo- like woman of the dunes was a deeply interesting film by itself totally divorced from its uh material of origins yeah um speaking of women and, and the i'm sorry finish your thought i apologize no 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 i i i'm just sort of i i i'm still 
I'm still struggling with trying to, even despite what this movie is trying to say, I'm struggling with trying to the like to like the way it's handling its topic. Like, I like the way Woman of the Dunes handles its topic, which is borderline is very similar. Uh, whereas this one, to a certain extent, because like you, you and I took an hour to arrive at this analogy for like you know way of understanding this film and even now i'm not fully satisfied yeah all right so you brought uh, you brought up woman in the dunes again and of course we're just you know we're, we're at the end of the box set so we're going to be talking about everything um the uh the quant video essays that uh accompany each of these films in the one for the face of another um one thing Quant talks about is he suggests a a sort of neo-orientalist uh, aspect to the backlash against faceless or, or face of another um, in that uh, face of another was seen by an international audience as not Japanese enough because it was principally okay. in urban spaces, right? That could be anywhere. Right, okay. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, Tasha Gahara argued that the sand pit in Woman of the Dunes could be anywhere. New York, San Francisco, totally. anywhere. Uh, which is something I think we alluded to when we compared it to Bong Joon-ho's uh, explanation of the international interest, <laughs> interest in Parasite as right, we all live right. in a country called capitalism. Yeah, yeah um, totally. <laughs> uh, so, you know, maybe <laughs> we have... We have uh, settled on an interpretation of of this film that is explicitly Japanese, but I think is analogous to the the traumas of uh, of culture around the world. Right. Yeah. And, of, and in that way, it is actually probably more satisfactory in the yeah. sense that it just describes a cycle. Yes. That is universal to a certain extent. I'd say that's uh, I think probably one of the few things I caught onto in in any of Quant's video essays about these movies. I found those mostly to be boring. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not watch them because I was not very interested. I, like, watched a little bit. I was like, this is not that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I limit the... Uh, I The extra material that comes with these things have to either get my attention or I don't watch them. I can't, like, dedicate Understood. an extra hour and a half to every movie. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. But, like... Yeah, yeah I mean... I, I Like I said, I... If we're just talking about sort of if I if I get down to sort of the fine point of where I fall on this film, it is that the other films were clearer in their messaging. Yeah. Whereas this one took us an hour to get here. And I feel like to a certain extent that's that does fall on the director for not making their point. But were they clear it, in their messaging because we were already primed to want the message we got from them? That's possible. That's definitely possible. But like you would, and so if we imagine that perhaps the audience that's watching this is primed for that, then yeah, maybe this is very clear to the audience of the time. Yeah, watching this um, because we don't have a lot of information about that. Like, we don't get a lot, you know, we don't have, we, we get, like, critical reception and stuff like that, but we don't get, uh, uh, we don't, we don't get a lot of information about how people felt about the movie at the time. There's a little bit, like, 
was not well received upon its release. Audience feeling that it did not live up to the... But that it was successful in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, so... It, and, well, it's hard to say what... I Because this, of this very poorly written sentence, it's hard to yeah. say what not popular... You know, not well received upon release. Is that referring to Western audiences? It's very... Yes. It yes, two, I believe it is. Yeah. Reference to two... Which is not very clear. The Uh, New York Times. As fiction, it's too fanciful to be seriously compelling and too glib to be especially thought-provoking. I think it's... Right. Well, then that brings up, like, why do people in the West like Woman in the Dunes so much? Right, right. And that's, I think... Did they miss the point on that one, too? That is something I think Quant might be spot on with. Uh, With with the idea idea of this as an Orientalism of... uh, people liking his earlier work because it was Japanese and foreign and, and right. this one is not Japanese it's super enough. metropolitan yeah 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 that's I mean I can definitely see that because if that's actually talking about Western audiences that makes sense right I can see this being successful in Japan like that I, I and that maybe that's the problem to a certain extent is that we don't feel that trauma so it's not as it's not as writ large in this movie for us as it would be for somebody who's still going through that. Yeah, but I time. think something we've frequently talked about with uh, Japanese or or Russian post World War II films is just that the American mask is much more firmly affixed. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, it, it's just it's going to be really hard. This is one of those situations where we, you and I, will never know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, it won. It won. I mean, it was yeah, very well regarded then by Japanese people because it won like the Mainichi Film Awards and some stuff like that, which is really. Yeah. Uh, but that's for art direction and film score, so I don't know. Um, art wise, it's well done. I mean, for yeah. sure. Like <laughs> again, the 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 doctor scenes are wild. Yeah. And really good, right? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, especially I, you know, just the way they're shot uh, is reminiscent of a 1930s mad scientist uh, yeah. transported into the 1960s. <laughs> just, but then also know. put into a weird matrix chamber. Yeah, well, the fact goes that on it's, infinitely the fact and, that it's yeah. a, a wallless soundstage suggests the giant basement labs that. <laughs> that we have experienced with with mad scientist chambers, right? Right, uh, but but those those suggest scale in a different way with right. with doohickeys and stuff. Like he, it it with, the, the the way this is done is is very sort of got a sort of postmodernist bent to it with this. Right. Oh, absolutely, floating in this abyss and stuff. And the uh, the the frequency of ears, which is something else, maybe we could. talk you know, spend another yeah. hour on dissecting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, what, what does, you know, what does that mean? What does, what does the, the only other patient we see sitting on an ear, a giant right. ear even mean? Um, but yeah. Well, I, I mean, and then a thing that we didn't get into, but is worth c- taking into consideration as well is that our B plot, the person deals with the trauma by walking themselves into the ocean. Well, the person first deals with the trauma by having a uh, uh, very uh, cyclical, yes. traumatic sexual experience. That's also true. Uh, 
But what I what yeah, I mean and that's that's true, but like And then deals that, with that poorly. Well, I mean that that this the person we, we see in the B role is clearly very depressed. Yeah. The whole time. Like the 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 person tries to deal with the trauma in various ways, but from but comes upon the final result of suicide. Yeah. Um and and that and that's an interesting thing to compare there, right? Because we have one form of dealing with the trauma versus a radically different form of dealing with the trauma, sort of, or not dealing with the trauma for that matter. Yeah. Um, and and it's just interesting because like there's a, that that there's something in that comparison um, between the way that our our a plot and our b plot sort of conclude. Um, that is. Is interesting, right? But it's also it is the two extremes of the ends of that trauma. They are both right. death, but they are either suicide or murder, right? Right. Yeah. And, and and but like yeah, that's what if we try to expand that out to society as a whole, it's just interesting to think about. Yeah. Neither is a good end. I don't. <laughs> I don't think. No. No. It's just interesting to think about in terms of like what you know our director's trying to say right about society yeah i don't i also don't i don't i don't want to suggest that i think he is saying japan needs to commit suicide but uh as i have frequently said about america maybe the solution is to make something that isn't japan so well and and that's but neither of those and that's the interesting thing right is that like we we talked about this a little bit with women in the dunes as well is yeah. that this director is not interested in proposing solutions right also true like and that's yeah. fine there's nothing wrong with that but that's yeah. just not what he's here to do and neither of the things that happens at the end of this film are solutions they're just extensions right like just the continuation of the cycle yeah Uh, anyway, I think we've probably finished this up. Uh, this yeah. has been Pat and I uh, decompressing and working our way through uh, what what was, uh, when we started this conversation, our least favorite of the three films by Hiroshi. It's, it's still my least favorite. It's Let's still my clear. least favorite, <laughs> but I feel like another year down the line, this is going to become one of those, maybe we should give it a second look sort of things. Well, I I... The difference being is that you and I are a little bit more aware of that stuff right now, which right. is why I will not categorically say, like, I hate <laughs> right. this film or something like that. Right. Like, there's a lot here, and there's a lot of value here. It's just that, like, if you later on ask me which of these was my favorite, I'm probably still going to say Woman in the Dunes. Because uh, this is not bad. This, there's nothing wrong with this movie. It's just, I, I, it's, I don't know. It just didn't feel as easy to work my way through as the other one. Right. Right. Uh, which is fair. Well, next week we will be finishing up this box set with four short films by Hiroshi Teshigahara, uh, Hokusai from 1953, Ikebana from 1956, Tokyo 1958 from 1958, and Akko, uh, also called White Morning from 1963, which was originally part of a, uh, a set of films commissioned by the Canadian Film Board. Uh, each one interesting in their own right but we'll be talking about all four of those for our next episode uh, which will finish off the three films from 
Hiroshi Teshigahara box set for us. So thank you once again for listening to Lost the Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Lovatari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Hosted by John Patrick Oatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.BandCamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, or support us on Patreon. It's Patreon.com slash LostInCriterion. We'd appreciate it.